Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host tonight. I'm Pastor Brian Fouts with Hazak Ministries. 
So, good evening, everyone. I hope that you all had a great Merry Christmas and looking forward to the great new year that's coming in for 2024. So tonight here on Reaching Out Radio, we're going to be sharing about the reason for the season. I know it's a little bit past Christmas, but I wanted to have a special show this this month for you. So we pray that these tips that you're going to hear tonight will give you some great encouragement with meeting your challenges and your purpose and your journey for the future. And I want you to remember this, that regardless of your age or your position or your station in life, that God has a plan for you. Yes, he does. And he's got a great purpose and he's got a great, great life just waiting for you ahead of time. So with that, good evening, sister and evangelist Montel Fields. I hope that you're feeling better. been praying for you and your family with lots of illness and things going around with several of our ministry friends this time of year. So with that, I'm Brian Fouts, and this evening we're excited to be back here on Reaching Out Radio, where we are reaching out to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. Now, for those of you out in the listening area, we just wanted to remind you that we are with Hazak Ministries. That's H-A-Z-A-K, Hazak Ministries. And our ministry was started with the vision to bring hope and healing and encouragement to those who are hurting, who are lost, and hopeless. And especially for those that may have lost a loved one, especially this time of year. Now, that word Hazak is a Hebrew word, and it means to make or to be strong, it also means to strengthen, it means to sustain, it also means to, to support and to encourage. So we hope this evening that you, our listeners, that you'll be encouraged with our message that we're going to share with you this evening. So before we get started, let's open the program with a word of prayer this evening. Father, we just come before you now. We thank you again, Father, for the opportunity, Father, to come and to be open Father, to live in a country where we can come and greet you, Father, that we can openly proclaim your name in prayer, Father, that we just give you praise, Father, for all things, because you are the maker and the creator of all things. So with that, again, greetings from not only just the hill out here in New Ulm, Texas, but out here off of the Colorado River in the Colorado County. So we just want to re- uh, share something really important with you, our Uh, listeners tonight that we pray that our hope and our prayer is that this show would be helpful, that it would be encouraging for you, that you would find it very, very interesting and fun, and that you'll get some really great tips for the future. It's really important. And we pray that this information is not only going to just be educational, but it should provide you, the listener, with some really great ideas to help you in your daily walk with the Lord. So with that, I want to kind of get started to see where we're going tonight. So this is going to be a fun time, so just sit back. If you want, you can take some notes, write something down. And uh, tonight, if you'd like to get a copy of the story that I'm going to share at the end, you can always send me an email, and you can send that to brian at hazakministries.com. That's Brian at H-A-Z-A-K Ministries.com. And so with that, everyone, grab your Bibles or grab your iPad or your phone or your iPad or anything else that you want to uh, take notes with and listen and 
just be prepared for something really great. Now, this evening, I'll be reading back and forth between the King James Bible version. I'll be reading from the New American Standard as well as possibly uh, the New the New Testament uh, in the in the New LLT Bible, or I may be uh, sharing some words from the Amplified Bible. And so, with that, I just want you to remember: is this is to everything there is a season, and there is a time for every purpose under the season. And again, as a reminder, just to tell you, we'll be using some different translations tonight, and so I'll try to tell you what translation it is, and if I forget, please forgive me. So with that, I want to just say, can you feel it? It's in the air. Oh no, it can't be already. Yep. You know, at the first of this month, I was just breaking out into song just thinking about this glorious season. You know, I was singing all the the way from the front of the month, Frozen. Tis the season to be jolly. Holla la 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 la. Well, Lee used to tell me not to sing, so I think I'll just quit. So anyway, here it is. It's that wonderful time of year, and we're coming to the end of this month. I hope that you all had a great Christmas, and it's going to be really, really fun kind of moving forward. So tonight, normally this time of year, I usually talk about Jesus, I talk about Mary and Joseph, and I talk about everything that's going on, but I thought that this month, I thought that this would be really, really more interesting for me to kind of teach on something different. So, from Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible, and it says, Come now, and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. So, and that word for the reason for the season in Hebrew is the word yahek. And it actually means to provide, to prove, to, to decide, to judge, to rebuke, to reprove, and to correct and to be right. And you know, I always kind of like that part, you know, where we can always say that, yeah, we're, we're right. We like to be proved, and we like to be right. But that word in Greek is the word moed, and it actually means an appointed time or a place or a meeting. Now, I don't know about you, but I thought that was really kind of cool, moed. It means an appointed time. So then what does that word season really mean to us? Well, that word season means it's a time characterized by a particular circumstance or a feature. Or it's a it's suitable or it's a natural time uh, or it's a natural time or an occasion. And it can be an indefinite period of time. And a and it's also a period of the year characterized or associated by a particular activity or phenomenon. So, you know, like there's four seasons, winter, summer, fall, spring. So here is a really neat verse that's going to go with our word for this today. And that verse, 
we will find fits our study, which is found in Ecclesia, in Ecclesiastes, I'm sorry, 3 verses 1 through 8. But for now, I'm just going to read verse 1. There is a time for everything, and yes, there is a season for every activity under the heavens. You know, I really love that verse. You know, and in Hebrew, that word for season, again, is the word zaman. And it actually means a set time or an appointed time. So, folks, while we're on the subject, let me ask you this. What really is the reason for the season? Have you ever thought about that? What is the reason for the season? You know, for some, I think that it's just a time to reflect and, and to remember those things that are important in our lives. And here's a couple of other thoughts. I think that it is equally important to remember what the season is, especially Christmas is, and what it's all about, especially that we remember about that special birth of the Christ child and what it really means. So then what does that word really mean to you? Well, for me, you know, during my reflection time off and on during the year, and I used to think about this on the porch back on the last place where we used to live out on the porch, and sometimes I'd just go walking around here at the park at Beeson Park out here in Columbus. So that word season actually kind of came to my mind, and I, you know, when it does, I, you know, I just, I feel this leap of joy that goes into my spirit. So we're talking about the reason for the season, but why is it important for us to actually remember the season? Well, first, it's the time of good cheer and celebration and a time to remember. And now in the book of Luke, you know, the disciples shares the good news and why we should always celebrate the season. Okay, so where exactly does Luke talk about this? Hmm, so if you will, let's turn over to the book of Luke, chapter 2, and we're going we're gonna to read verses 8 through 11. And now I'm going to be reading this from the New American Standard Bible. And it says that in the same region that there were some shepherds out staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all about them, and they were terribly frightened. Ah, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today, in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior, one who is known as Christ the Lord. Now, folks, First, this is a wonderful story about the season. And second, this is also a time to remember what that season's really all about. Now, there's something for you to really kind of think about right now. What is it all about to you? So, remember? Remember what? Well, just remember the season. So what does it really mean to remember? Well, you know, the online dictionary reminds us of the following. It means to bring to mind or to think again or to remember the old days. At my age, you know, we're always thinking about the old days. And to keep in mind for attention and or consideration and to exercise or to have some kind of power or memory 
and to have a recollection of something or a remembrance. And you know, and I hope that you like that answer. I like that part about having the power of memory or recollection of something, especially at my age, at 71. Memories are good, folks. So yes, they are. And I know that I looked up something really great about that word remember in Hebrew. And in Hebrew, that word for remember is zakar, which means to bring to remembrance, to be remembered, to be thought of, and to be brought to mind. My wife used to look at me and she said, is that like I'll bring the car around for you to drive? I would just laugh at her and I just said, no, dear. Not, not the car, but the car. But here's something neat. According to Strong's Concordance, that word, the car, actually appears 172 times in the Bible. That is a bunch. So then why is it important for us to remember? And what exactly does that have to do with the season? Well, for starters, if we look back, God left us a couple of messages, and this is from Exodus 13, verse 3, and I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. It says, So Moses said to his people, This is a day to remember forever, the day that you left Egypt, the place of your slavery, and today, the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. Isn't that a powerful voice? And here's something else to really remember. This is really great. This is from Genesis 9:15 from the New American Standard Bible, and it says, And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all of the flesh. What a powerful reminder from God. And then he left us with this reminder. The Lord gave us his children some really great reminders to remember his promises. He promised to never destroy the earth by water again. He promised to bring his people out of slavery in Egypt. He promised to give them a promised land. And he promised to bring hope to the lost and to the hurting, which he still does today. And to send us a redeemer and to give us a savior. And when he left, he gave us a helper in the Holy Spirit. And then he gave us a blessing so that we would be able to bless others and to be a blessing for others. And that is a wonderful reminder. So while we're here and we're going to listen to some stories from the Bible, we thought it would be really neat to share with you about a woman who also had a great reminder of God's promise. Yes, that would be Mary. But we're going to talk about Mary on another time. But for tonight, I thought it would be equally important that we would talk and it would be fun for us to share something about another woman. Her name was Elizabeth. And I felt in my spirit this month that it would really be good for us to share the story about Elizabeth and how God used her for his story. Now, listeners, we're going to be sharing the story of Elizabeth. So we're going to be reading from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 5 through 49. 
And we're just kind of use this as a reference tonight as we kind of begin to share the amazing story of Elizabeth. So while you're there, if you don't have a Bible or an iPad in front of you, just, just close your eyes and listen in and see if you can kind of picture back in the Old Testament times, back, way back. And I want you to pretend as if you were really there, right there in that very special place of time. Okay, are you ready? Are your eyes closed? All right. Well, here's where we're going to begin with our story. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah. Oh, yeah, way, way back then. Way, way, way back then. And no, folks, I was not back there when this all took place. So, it was at this time that Mary, the mother of Jesus, had had a relative named Elizabeth. And she was actually a cousin to Mary. And to Mary and her husband, and Mary's husband, his name was Zacharias. Okay, so you're probably asking yourself, well, who were these people? This is a really old story. Well, over in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 and verse 5 through 7, it says that Zacharias was a priest in the temple. Ah, he was a priest in the temple. And Elizabeth, well, she was one of the daughters of Aaron, who was also a high priest. And in verse 6 tells us that they were both righteous before God. They were walking in all of the commandments of the Lord and walking in all of his ordinances of the Lord, and that they were blameless. I don't know about you, but that's pretty neat. And so... Here they were, they're walking around, they're blameless, and then we read, and then we find out that they had no children. Elizabeth had no children. Well, you might ask, well, why was that? Well, you see, the Bible tells us that Elizabeth was barren. What that means is that she was not able to have any children, and she was old and that she could never have a child. And, of course, the scripture says, and they were both very, very old in those days. And so you might ask, well, too old to have kids? Well, yes, they were too old to have kids. So that means that the two of them were well, well beyond the years of having any children at all. Now, that sounds very sad, you know, when you first read about it. But Elizabeth really, really wanted to have children. And this was one of the things that all Jewish women back then hoped for, they prayed for, was to have children. And do you know why that was? Well, because all Jewish women back then wanted to be the mother of the future Messiah. They had heard the stories that there would be a Messiah coming, and they all had hoped that they would be the mother of that future Messiah. Wow. Now, that must have been pretty cool for all of them back then. So they also knew that if you didn't have any children, that it was a sign of disfavor from God if you could not have any children. And they both had been praying for a child for years and years. You know, Lord, bring us a child. And so you just go, oh, my gosh, no children. OK, 
okay, so what happened next? Well, one day, while at the office, at the priestly office, Zacharias was performing his duties at the temple. No, he was not a musician. And no, he wasn't doing anything else. He was just a priest in the temple. Now, history tells us the following things, that he was a member of the Abijah priesthood, and that this priesthood operated in the temple, and inside of that priesthood, it was divided into 24 divisions of priests. So that meant that there were 24 different divisions of priests who worked in the temple. Wow. So what do you think the priests did? I had somebody ask me that. Said, well, what did they do? Well, the priests of each division would serve twice a year, and this Abijah was the eighth division of the priests. So if you would, please turn to your Bibles, and let's read in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to take a look at verse number 9. That's Luke chapter 1. We're going to go look at verse number 9 here. And this is from the Amplified Bible, and it reads, As was the custom of the priesthood, he, Zacharias, was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the temple of the Lord and to burn incense on the altar of incense. So you see, this was a very high honor for Zacharias to be able to do. All right, so you might be asking yourself, well, was this really a high honor? And if so, why was it a high honor? Well, it was very, very high. According to John MacArthur's notes from this verse, John MacArthur shared that in verse 9, that because of the large number of priests in the temple, most priests would never be chosen for this duty. And no one, absolutely no one, was permitted to serve in this capacity more than once. They couldn't serve twice. And Zacharias, no doubt, regarded this as a very supreme moment in a lifetime of priestly service that he was doing. What a great honor. So while he was doing his duty, he, Zacharias, had gone into the temple to burn the incense before the Lord. And there were many, many people standing outside of the temple that were praying for him. So why did Zacharias burn incense? Well, again, John MacArthur's notes tells us that the incense was kept burning perpetually. That means it was always burning all of the time, and someone always had to keep that incense lit and burnt. So just as in the front of the veil that divided the holy place from the most holy place. So that lone priest would offer the incense every morning and every evening while the rest of the priests and the worshipers stood outside in the holy place in prayer, praying all day at both times. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So then what happened next? Well, this was pretty cool. I think I'll let Luke tell the story here. So let's continue reading. So we're going to start back at verse 11 here. And in starting in verse 11, it reads, And an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him, to Zacharias, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel and 
gripped him. He just he was he was afraid. Isn't that interesting that fear gripped Zacharias, a temple priest? And you know, I've heard some people say over the years that whenever someone said that they saw an angel, that they were huge, they were great, they were gigantic, they were bigger than anything that they'd ever seen. And yes, that's right. And so this won't be the only times that we'll talk about angels. So let's continue with the rest of this story. This gets really interesting. But the angel then turned to Zacharias and said to him, Don't be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. She'll get pregnant and she will have a son. And Zacharias, and you will give him a name. You will give him the name of John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Wow. Isn't that amazing that the angel told Zacharias that his prayer and request had been answered and the petition had been heard? And, you know, for a lot of us at many times, we actually wonder if God really hears our prayers. I hear that all the time. Does God really hear our prayers? And I want you to remind this, that this should be a reminder to all of us about being specific in our prayer request to God, because he will hear those prayers. And we just have to wait for him. So we're told that when the angel told him that they would have a son, which, by the way, was always a great honor for men to have a boy. Why? Because that meant that the family heritage would live on, that the legacy of that father would live on to the marriage, would live on forever. And I love the fact that the angel gave Zacharias a name to give to his son. And he told Zacharias to name his son, and that name would be John. Now, in the Old Testament times, this was kind of interesting. Naming the child way back then was something that was usually left up to the father of the child. <laughs> but not this time. And I loved that last part that the angel told Zacharias. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Now, listeners, this is such a great story, and here's a great promise and a reminder from the Lord about the child. In Luke chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it reads like this, and it says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. Oh, my gosh. But I wanted to read this to you from the Message Bible, and this is from Luke chapter 1, and this is verses 13 through 17, but this is from the Message Bible. This is really great, the way that they, the Message Bible shares this. It says, but the angel reassured him, don't fear, Zacharias. Your prayers have been heard. Elizabeth, your wife, will, be, will bear a son by you, and you are to name him John, you're going to leap like a gazelle for joy, and not only you, but many will delight in his birth, and he will achieve great stature with God, and 
he'll drink neither wine nor beer. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit from the moment that he leaves his mother's womb, and he will turn many sons and daughters of Israel back to their God, and he will be a herald for God's arrival in the style and the strength of Elijah. He will soften the hearts of his parents to children, and he will kindle devout understanding amongst hardened skeptics, and he'll get the people ready for God. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Ah, but the story doesn't stop there. There is a future in this child. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the father back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then then Zacharias responded with this, Oh, how will I know this is for certain? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Now, isn't that just like a man or a woman to react? We're so quick to doubt and allow fear to grip us and crying, Oh, I just can't do this because I'm too old. I can't do this. (laughs) Isn't that funny? And isn't that just the way... We are, and I just loved Gabriel's response back to him. The angel answered him and said, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Ouch, well, shut my mouth. And that is exactly what happened. Open mouth, insert foot, and it's not coming out until the baby's born. Now remember, Zacharias was in the temple praying, and everyone else was standing outside, waiting for him to come out and to give him the news. That's right, the people are outside. They're waiting for his return to come out and pronounce the blessing upon the people. This was a blessing that came from the book of Numbers 6, chapter 6, verses 20 through 27. And most of you out there in the audience will be familiar with this blessing. And I'm going to read this from the King James. And so... In Numbers 6, verses 24 through 27, it reads in the King James, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and to give you peace. Ah, so the people are still standing outside. They're waiting for Zacharias. And they're wondering, where is that man? Why is he not out here giving us this blessing? Well, here again, starting over here at verse 21, we learn that the people were still waiting outside for Zacharias, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. What could be taking him so long? But when he came out 
Zacharias was not able to speak. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them with his hands. He was up kind of moving his hands back and forth, you know, trying to talk to them with his hands, and his his mouth was probably trying to move, but nothing was coming out. He was mute. He was silent. And when the days of his priestly service finally ended, for the day he went back home. Now, Dr. John Constable, in his notes, shares the insight of this news. He said, apparently, that Zacharias could not hear or speak as the result of his earlier unbelief. The visitors had to communicate with him in sign language. But the Greek word here used to describe his condition is called kaphos, and it can mean deaf as well as dumb. He couldn't speak. Yep, kind of like, okay, I'm done here. Off to the casa I go. So in the meantime, what's what's happened with Elizabeth? Well, over in Luke 24, it says that while this was going on, after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. And she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, this is the way that the Lord has done with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace amongst men. So here's a question for you listeners. Why do you think Elizabeth felt disgrace? I mean, doesn't that kind of seem odd? Well, the history notes that I looked up suggest that being barren carried a stigma or a feeling of disgrace because she couldn't have a baby. And in the Old Testament, not being able to produce a child carried a sign of divine disfavor with the Lord or with Yahweh, but not always. Still, it could be a social stigma that could could have really been humiliating for a woman. Wow, so even back then, it's even sad to see that when people still today carry that same stigma and that they behave the same way today. For women who can't have a child anymore for whatever reason, that they carry that same stigma. So later, as history tells us, that a baby was born to Elizabeth. And what should we remember about this baby boy that was born? Hmm. Well, I imagine like all new baby boys that were born, everyone in the neighborhood came by for a a look-see, and they brought gifts, and they brought a message of goodwill to them. Now, in Luke 1, verse 57, it says, When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. And her neighbors and their relatives all heard that the Lord had shown a great mercy upon her, and they shared her joy. And that is how we should all re- should respond when someone has a child. We should respond with happiness and with joy and to share in the joy. So what happened next? Well, there was a certain tradition back then that took place during this time. Well, again, I think I'm just going to let Luke talk about this next part of the story. So it says that on the eighth day they all came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father. 
Zacharias. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. Oh, no. So what, what do you think? The people were probably standing around thinking, like, well, what is she doing naming the son John? The husband's supposed to, or Zacharias did, did name him. And they said to her, there's no one amongst your relatives who has that name. There's nobody out there that has a name in your family. So this was pretty cool. So then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. Well, of course they did. They're over there looking at him, saying, hey, what did you name him? Well, this next part's really cool. Zacharias still to this time could not speak. He had been deaf and dumb and mute, and so Zacharias motioned for somebody to bring him a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote on the tablet the following, His name is John. Now that must have stunned everybody. Yeah, I'm sure it did back then, but here's the most amazing part of this story and how God showed up. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue was set free and he began to speak, praising God over and over and over. And what about the neighbors? I'm sure that they were all filled with awe. Their jaws probably dropped. And then Luke shared this. All thought the hill country of Judah people were all talking about all of these things were going on. And everyone who had heard about what took place wondered about it, asking, where then, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand has to be on him. That was just awesome. Just awesome. So now remember that this was a very strong story worth remembering. So if you think about it, this is a season in which there are lots of things that are happening in our world today. There's deceit, there's confusion, there's anger, there's, there's unholiness, there's wondering, gosh, what's going to happen What's happening in our country, what's happening in the world, in our community, in our neighborhood, what's happening in our families. So I want you to remember that with everything that's going on, there's something special that you need to remember. That this is a season of thankfulness. This is a season of hope. And this is a season of change. And I want you to remember that this is a season of expectation and it's also a season to remember. Yes, it is. So then where is the promise for this season? Paul reminds us of this promise from Romans 15.4, and I'm reading this from the New American Standard Bible. Paul wrote the following, and he said, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures that we might have hope. That's right, that we might have hope. And with that, I want to share with you the things that I remember at this time of season. I remember this season, or God's 
supernatural peace in the loss of our only daughter. Almost 40 years of happiness that I had with Leah. And I remember that God took us through a period of restoration of our marriage. And he took us through a period of preparation and he prepared us for a new journey in life. That I remember why he would turn around and give us a revelation for a vision for a ministry, for his Hazak ministry. And for the dream that he gave to me for a title for our first book, From Misery to Ministry, A Walk of Faith. And then to later give us two more books, Steps of Faith and Walking Through Grief, A Journey of Peace. And we remember the opportunities that God had given to both Leah and I to minister to those people who had lost a loved one, especially children. And we remember that we had been blessed over and over to be a blessing to others. But most of all, most of all, we all remember the reason for this season, for his love, for his salvation. Because for without it, without him, we are nothing. And for this reason is why we have eternal life and that we have an opportunity to bring hope and healing and encouragement to those that are hurting, that are lost, that have lost loved ones and that are wounded in this world today. And during this season, we want to remind you to remember your reasons for the season. Think about them. Write them down and share them with your loved ones. Share them with your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and your loved ones. And so before we close tonight, I thought it would be really great to share a very special Christmas story with you that we found. And this is one that you can share with the rest of your family. And this is really powerful. It's the story that we found out about the angel Gabriel. So where to begin? Well, <laughs> let's, let's begin at the beginning. Now, this story is not anything that I wrote. This was written by Dr. Ralph F. Wilson, who was kind enough to give us permission to read that story to you this year and every year. So here's this story. The Angel Gabriel's Most Sensitive Mission. As the tall, stately angel rose and walked toward the front of the chapel, there was a buzz amongst the cadets. Gabriel was a living legend. <clears throat> he cleared his throat. I've been asked to speak to you today about what I've learned through my care and through my career. Foremost is this that we are servants of the Most High God. And this lesson I learned, not during my days here at the Academy, but from a human being, a girl. I had been summoned before God to be briefed on a brand new mission. God looked at me and he told me, he said, Gabriel, you, Gabriel, have a most delicate assignment. I'm sending my son to redeem the earth. To do this, he must become a human himself. Your mission is to announce this plan to the young woman that I have chosen to be his mother. Her name is Mary. She lives in the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and she is betrothed to be married. That means that she, Mary, 
already been considered to be a wife. Though she is living at home still and until the final ceremonies a few months from now. And Gabriel, she is a virgin. He went on to describe my role and briefed me on the various contingencies, concluding with these words, Gabriel, by all means, be gentle. I arrived one spring morning as Mary was climbing the path from the well and came to where I was sitting on a very large boulder. She was only a child, I thought when I first saw her. Only 12 or 13? Betrothed at that age? But such were the customs of that place, and I was assured that the father knows what he is doing. And as she approached, I stood, dressed as I always dressed, long white robe, golden sash, and so forth. Greetings, Mary, I began. She gasped. I continued, Hail, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. All of the color drained from her face. I motioned for her to sit. She carefully removed the full water jug from her head and sat it down and then eased herself onto the far end of the rock. Don't be afraid, Mary, I said. You have found favor with God. I waited a moment for her to calm down. You will concern you will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son. You are to name him Jesus. She appeared stunned by these words, but I continued. Your son will become a great man. He will be called the Son of the Most High God. And what's more, the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his ancestor, and he will reign as Messiah over Israel forever. And of his kingdom and reign, there will be no end. I paused. The message shocked me. I couldn't imagine the impact that must have had on her. She was quiet for a time. Then she asked in her young teenage voice, how will this happen since I'm, I'm not married? I answered, the Holy Spirit will come to you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and therefore your son will be born, will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. Amazing. The Father was prepared to rest the entire Christ enterprise on this young girl. Her response, her whim, her decision, she was to be the mother of God's own son, so young. I continued to reassure her. And now your relative Elizabeth is in her old age has conceived a son. Mary murmured, Old Elizabeth? Really? Oh, I could just see a glimmer of twinkle returned to her eyes. Yes, they called her barren, but she's already six months pregnant. Mary was just grinning for a moment. Then I saw her smile fade. I could not 
read her thoughts, but I could only imagine what she must have been thinking. How could she ever explain to this to anyone? Who would even understand? Who could ever believe her? Her father would be furious, and her mother deeply hurt. And Joseph? Oh, there would be no wedding. Her dream of marriage and family vanished in an instant. And the town fathers? Would they try to stone her? Oh, I'd been given one sentence by the father by which to respond. Nothing will be impossible with God, I said. Nothing. She was quiet a moment longer, lost in her thought. Then she looked up at me with clear eyes and said intently, Here I am. I am the Lord's servant, his handmaid. Let what you have said come to pass. She stood up, and as she began to lift the heavy water jug to her shoulder and then hoist it up to her head, I reached up to help, but she shook her head and lifted it up herself. As she made her way up the path to the village, her steps were assured, almost a spring to them. And at the top of the hill, steadied the jar with one hand and waved to me with the other. Then she was lost from my view. And that is how I met Mary. She taught me what it meant to be a servant when it's hard to obey. And when there's to be no hope except God's promise. And Mary took the words, for nothing will be impossible with God, and believed him. And whenever I struggle with obedience, I think of this young girl who began with a servant's journey with the words, I am the servant, the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be, let it come. I am his servant. The tall angel touched the corner of his eye for a moment, then stepped down and took his seat. Gabriel had learned servanthood from an even greater servant than himself, a young virgin from Nazareth named Mary. I hope that you enjoyed that story tonight. I'm Brian Fouts with Hazak Ministries, with an encouragement ministry out here in Columbus, Texas. And just a reminder to those who don't know that we've written three books about our journey, losing our daughter, learning to take steps of faith, and learning to help others to walk through a journey of peace when they're walking through grief. They're all three wonderful books. They're available free on demand by just writing and asking for one or all three copies of a book. You can write to us, uh, and you can go to our website at www.hazakministries.com. That's www.hazakministries.com. Or if you'd like, you can send us a donation to support us in our ministry uh, by going to the same website, and there's a little donate button on there that you can do that. Or if you'd like, you can always write us to P.O. Box 159, Industry, Texas, 78944. That's Hazak Ministries, 
P.O. Box 159, zip code 78944. If you'd like, if you'd like to call us sometime and uh, ask for prayer or just reach us, or if you'd like for me to come and speak at your church or special event, you can call me at 832-878-8043. That number again is 832-878-8043. You can also reach me on our little handy-dandy landline out here in Columbus, Texas. Uh, you can call for prayer or just to talk. That phone number here is 979-500-4256. That number again is 979-500-4256. And again, we want to thank you for tuning in this evening and listening in to uh, Hazak Ministries. Be encouraged with Brian Fouts. And again, we thank you for tuning in and listening uh, we also want to thank our sister Montel Fields, and we pray for her and her family. And we want to thank all of you for your donations this past year and for all of the prayers that you've sent up to us. And we thank you for the other radio stations and ministers that partner with us. Again, it has been an extreme honor for us to be featured here as guests with Evangelist Montel Fields on Reaching Out Radio. And as I said earlier, if you have a question or if you'd like to call, you can call me at 979-500-4256. That number again is 979-500-4256. You can email me at uh, brian at hazakministries.com. If you'd like to share a comment. And with that, God bless you. Thank you. And until next month. And the new year that comes in, remember this, be strong and be Hazak. God bless. May the Lord be with you and bless you and your family. Good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.